Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. I'm Guthrie, and with me, uh, as always, is Susan. Hello. Hello. So um, we're just going to dive right in, and today we're talking about hackable brains. So um, our brains are squishy little nothings of little squishy matter. That, is that uh, a scientific definition? I believe that's a scientific mm-hmm. definition. And uh, because of that, they're just doing random stuff and firing electronic things. And so you can muck around in there and do some stuff. And we and and you don't mean like actually like do your brain surgery on yourself, right? No, why would you do brain surgery on yourself? You said that you can muck around in there. It just sounded society, kind of scary. humans, the human race. Well, you know, I actually there's so many things You can do brain surgery on yourself. By no, the way. that's a terrible idea. No, no, and no one should, obviously, as like a legal disclaimer, even though I don't need to give a legal disclaimer, I'm going to do it anyways. But um, you actually can do brain surgery on yourself. Okay. In the Civil War, there were cases of people who had to do surgery. Anyways, okay. That's not what we're talking about today. I I, I, I actually think there's so much stuff that I'd like to talk about around this topic that we probably need more than one episode. But I thought we'd we'd just start. It's weird because we have that in a couple of situations, and I don't know why we just didn't do part one, part two, but... We'll do it here. We'll do part one, part two, um, unless we like get to like the thirty-five minute mark and like completely and run out of ideas. Yeah. Well, the idea about hack your brain—I don't know—I don't remember whether you came up with that term or I came up with that term or we. Read I'll take it all the credit for it. Okay. Sure. I don't remember doing it. It's just such a—you know—to me, it's like an interesting concept. This idea that we can, um, we can do stuff to change the way our brain works and we can we can do it to ourselves or someone else could do it to us or society can do it to us and and the change can be temporary or the change can be permanent i just think that's kind of all an interesting idea and so there were there are certain there's a there's a certain topics i'd like to cover today which have to do with actually how you can hack your own brain um, in the way that you do certain tasks so that you can be uh, more productive, less tired, less stressed. Or another way to put it would be if you're feeling tired and stressed and information overload, um, there's some things that you can do to make your brain work better. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Okay. So... I, I was mostly making a joke when I said it's a squishy thing, but it really is. So before we talk about hacking your brain, I think it would be important just to do a quick summary of how the brain actually works. So you're, you're, really? you're <laughs> Yes. No, I'm, I'm really serious. Just like a, just like a two minute thing because people, cause like, cause like a lot of the, a lot of the research and concepts that we're going to talk about when he, when it comes to hacking brains, like make sense to you because you understand the mechanisms of the brain and how and like neuron firings and like oh well obviously that's why that happens i don't think oh. that that is inherently obvious to the average layperson who know the brain has electricity in it and remembers things mm. I, you know right so like so, so i think i think it would be useful just to 
on a basic level, describe how the brain I didn't know that I was going to be giving an overview of, uh, of how the brain works, but uh, I'll, I will give it a shot. I like springing things on You people. do, apparently. But I want to, you know, disclaimer is I am not... She's a, not a neurosurgeon. I am not a neurosurgeon. I'm not a neuroscientist. You know, right. I'm a psychologist who has been very interested in the brain. That said, uh, in, in the you know when you were doing your research, getting your PhD, I mean, I had people hooked up, and I was measuring brain waves. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's did, true. Did, I mean, was there ever a rat involved? That was my under in undergraduate school. There were rats involved, and in graduate school, there were people involved. Okay, moving on up. And I did not do to the people what I did to the rats, and I I try and forget the rat part. So let's not okay. talk about that right now because okay, it makes me enough. sad. But right. um, and the human part, there's nothing I, that I did in my PhD research that makes me sad. But um, <laughs> yeah, so let's okay. Let's just start by I'll talk talk but about a very f- basic few because, basic things. Very yeah, basic. Very because high you level. can't hack it unless you know what you're working All right. with. At a very high level, um, and no one's ever asked me this before. You know, what do I think is important for people to understand about the brain in order to understand all the stuff we're going to talk about? as we talk about hacking the brain. So I'm just gonna, uh, in no particular order. Um, people say, they talk about being like left-brained and right-brained, you know? I'm a left-brained person, I'm a right-brained person. That drives me absolutely crazy. Um, certainly there are different thinking styles and learning styles, but those don't actually have to do with the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. So um, it, it is true that information is processed differently in the left half of your brain than the right half of your brain. The left half of your brain um, does a lot of the um, analytical and verbal processing and the right half of the brain does a lot of the visuospatial processing. But you have a bundle of nerve fibers. Cor- Wait, can I guess it? Yeah. Is it the corpus callosum? It is. Ha! That runs right, um, I'm pointing, but of course no one can see me, uh, that runs right right down the, the middle of your, of your scalp going like from, from front to back. And that's a bundle of nerve fibers and information is passing from left to right almost instantaneously. So assuming that you haven't had brain injury or brain damage and your corpus callosum is intact, Anything that's going on in the left side of your brain gets transmitted over to the right side of the brain and vice versa really, really fast. Um, so like I said, there are diff- you know, some people uh, are more visual than, than others in terms of their learning style or the way they think or the way they draw pictures. And some people might be more verbal, but that's not because you know, your right, the right hemisphere of your brain is, works better than the left or works more than you know the right hemisphere of my brain does or anything like that so I'd, I'd like to put that myth to rest that was my actually part of my phd thesis okay so okay. we have well that. i wanted to okay i wanted to bring it back down to a lower level yeah so brains oh wow you really want to go all right brains so your right? brain so lots of creatures have brains all mammals have brains. All mammals have brains. Yeah. Brains are made up of lots of different cells, and there's different cell types. Yes. Uh, and stop me when I'm wrong. 
by the way. Okay, I'll try. Um, but I'm not going to get too deep. But but yeah. essentially, what happens is is you have these 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 bundles of cells, these these nerve uh, these neurons, and they're all kind of attached to each other in these weird chains, and then they they can attach to multiple neurons, and they're all kind of mushed together. And there's there's a string. There's the way they're actually, you know, when people say the brain is, is run on electricity, well, it kind of is. So you have these chemical reactions between the neurons, and there's there's, uh, there's a, electrical impulses that are involved. And these fire off strings of neurons, right? So you can think of it as like a bunch of, um, like, fourth graders all holding hands, and they kind of do the wave, right? Where where one kid on the end raises his arm and then raises his other arm and that causes the person's hand, right? And everyone kind of like, like, you know, there's like a, there's a little, there's a little spark that goes, that goes through. Um, and so it follows this chain or these multiple chains. So when something is triggered in your brain, it, it fires off, you know, a little along all these different paths. It's not really paths, but all, all these different meshes of connections and series of connections. Um, in ridiculously complex ways. Yes, you have billions okay. of neurons. And yes, you are right. The neurons um, have chemical reactions at the ends, which at the end, the, there's a slight space between the end of one neuron and the beginning of the next. And that's called the synapse. And there are chemical reactions that occur at the synapse that then send an electrical signal to right. the next neuron. And, and yes, these ne- you, you have billions of them. There are associations between the neurons. When you do a, a something over and over, whether it's a physical action or you think about something over and over, or you repeat, you know, the the um, uh, names of the capitals of all the states in the United States over and over, that um, actually strengthens particular neuron connections, and then that's why um, you're able. Uh, to do, you know, a task over and over, do it better. You know, you're learning to play a song and you do it better and better. So, yes, there are neurons. There are, um, uh, your brain is, has many folds. And as, as you get older, the number of folds increases. Um, So that's how you're able to, your brain is actually able to kind of grow and learn more and more um, because it's obviously not necessarily you know, it doesn't continue to get big, although some people have swelled heads. That's not what we mean. And um, and so it, uh, a brain that's older and, and with lots of connections will be very, very folded. Like, you know, you can imagine uh, opening up all the folds and it would take be a bigger area, right? Yeah, and, and the, the analogy I'd like to think of is, so think of a sheet of paper and how big of an area that takes. Yeah. And then take that piece of paper and crumple it right. as, as, as tight as you can. Well, right. that's a much smaller area because right. folds obviously take up less yeah. space. So that's that, that's just the geometry. Um, other things on. that I think are kind of interesting about brains. Um, we... Well, I just wanted to I just wanted what? to start. So when because when we're talking about um, this kind of stuff, right? So like at the end of the day, yeah. what's going on is when so you so. You smell your grandmother's apple pie, right? Yeah. The the little molecule goes into your nose. Yeah. Your nose uh, says, "Oh, this is this combination of molecules," and it sends off a trigger to the brain. And then there's all these other triggers, and it's when stuff is like just being triggering all around, and yeah. and and through maybe the most complicated system that is known to mankind, 
that triggers in your consciousness your grandmother's apple pie. Well, so we, I just wanted to, yeah. to like that's that, at, a, at a very basic yeah, level. Yeah, that's good. That's and as we on. go along, you know, we'll talk about more because, for instance, you brought up the smelling your your grandmother's apple pie, um, the olfactory system, which is what smell is called, uh, goes right to um, the parts of the brain that are under least conscious control. So, uh, and, and, and to the parts of the brain that, um, are related to emotions. And so that's why when you smell something, uh, not only might it bring back memories, but it usually makes you feel either, you know, happy, sad, scared, and so on. And by the way, um, this is, this is why, uh, if you get sprayed by a skunk, Mm -hmm. it's like the worst thing ever. Because like just horribly, horribly worse, like the worst. Yeah. But if you look at a really bad piece of art, you're not like recoiling on the ground, rolling around. I don't in, know. Like, I dismay. know some people that might. Yeah. But um, right. But that's the, the yeah because, yeah it has because a, certain the, because certain you certain reactions you have yeah just evoke stronger responses because there's they're they're they are they're going to different lower parts of the brain yeah. that are associated with So I'm sure that, you know, and we've already talked a little bit about some of this in some of our other episodes, and I'm sure we'll talk about more. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was good. All right. Okay. So you want to go back to hacking? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to just like start with that. You wanted to give a little basic brain. And you're right. You're right. I tend to think everybody <laughs> knows this stuff. And that's just because, you know, I know it and I love it and I've, you know, been studying it for so long. Your idea of, you know, what is well known and everyone knows kind of gets warped when you when you spend a lot of time. On and, and this is also why um, people love neuroscience and neurosurgery so, so much, because um, because if you if there's a problem with a part of the brain, if there's brain damage. Yeah. Like the little firings still happen. You know, it's like it, it all it all happening, but then all of a sudden, if it can't move past this like impasse, right? Because there's a part of the brain that's gone, or you know, severely damaged in some way, then yeah. then the signals get it. That then then the pathways that they that would, would normal travel normally travel get strange, and those can the you know and the the reaction on you know the conscious person who's you know doing stuff is really really weird. So that's that's why yeah. it, you can get really strange reactions depending on, um, you know, what part of the brain is injured. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't and I don't want to and and I guess while we're talking about this stuff, uh, if we're talking about generalities, I also want to make sure we we bring up the idea that you know we tend to talk about the brain as though it's separate from the rest of the body, but the brain is very connected to the rest of the body. You know, I mean, there are nerve bundles. Uh, like there's the vagus nerve, V-A-G-U-S, that comes out of the brain and goes all the way down on both sides. There's a, there's a nerve that goes on the left and a nerve that goes over on the right, and it goes all the way down your body and it affects everything, you know, your digestion and so on. So when something right. is going on in the brain, um, it it's affecting the whole body, and when right. something's going on in the body, it's affecting the brain. So I don't. Sometimes, you know, I think we we get so caught up in the brain and and we forget that it, it's connected to everything now, else. Correct me if I'm wrong. Even so, I think dinosaurs actually had a secondary brain, like in their towards their tails. 
I, you know, just because, I don't just know. because to like help them move because they were, they so, were so big, big. and their I, their brains I, were so small. You know, I don't know anything about dinosaurs really, so that okay. might very well be. I think true. I remember that from like That's being really young. Yeah. All right, hacking your brain. So I want to talk about. Um, I want to start by talking about the wonderful uh, thing called multitasking. Uh huh. Which. Um, uh, and all the myths around multitasking and what actually happens in your brain when you multitask. So I think we're all familiar with the idea of doing more than one thing at a time, right? You're talking to someone and you're checking something on your phone, you're watching TV and you're checking something on your phone. You I'm playing Hearthstone right now as we're doing this podcast actually. So I hope you that's not true. So <laughs> Um, you're way more clicking so when you know and, and we do this all the time and and people you know have commented about you know it's a bad thing some people think it's a good thing some people think we're doing it more than we used to some people think that young people are good These at it days with all their devices that people some people are that young people are good at it and older people are bad at it and so I wanted to kind of talk about about that um, because it turns out actually that multitasking doesn't really exist. That's that's the first statement. So this idea that that we're doing more than one thing at a time, we're really not. What we're doing is very fast task switching. So if you are watching TV and um, you know texting or doing fantasy football on your phone. Um, what you really are doing is glancing at the TV, processing what you're seeing for, uh, you know, a, a, a fraction of a second, and then moving your head, looking at your phone, processing what you're seeing for a fraction of a second. Hearing what the TV says and processing that. Hearing what that. the TV and processing that, typing something on your phone. Uh, you know, you're. And this you're, is something. This is a trick the brain uses a lot. So when you read, right, it's not you're not clearly moving. When you're looking right to left, you're you you quickly jump. You're jumping. From, yes. From little and point so to point. we we task switch all the time. I mean, when you are driving a car, you are task switching. If you're driving a car and having a conversation with a friend in the car, you're task switching. When you're walking and then you you know look up or you know or you're walking and talking with a friend, you are task switching. So it's not that this is a bad thing. You know, we do it all the time. However, certain kinds of task switching. And a certain amount of task switching, um, it ta it takes a toll on the brain. So you only have so many resources, uh, neuron firings. Uh, Speak for yourself. Uh, they, your brain can only <laughs> pay attention to so much stuff at one time. And every time you do a task switch, uh, there's a, a wonderful book called The Organized Mind by Daniel Levitin. And, and he talks about the fact that every time you do a task switch, it takes... Uh, uh, some resources and um, the more task switching, switching you're doing and the faster you're switching the more brain resources you're using up you are literally using up glucose so the brain uses glucose glucose is, is a very simple sugar okay and so you eat food and your body turns that into a bunch of stuff and one of the things your body creates from the food you eat especially if you're eating sugar or if you're eating carbohydrate 
um, it creates glucose, which is a very simple sugar molecule that many of your organs need for energy and your brain especially. So the brain uses more glucose than any other organ in your body. And when you task switch, it uses up a shot of glucose. So if you do a lot of task switching, it's going to be using up a lot of brain food, essentially. And then at some point, you're going to run out of brain food. And if you're doing task switching, you're going to run out of brain food faster than if you're working on one thing at a time. So um, I, now, Guthrie, you don't eat a lot of sweets. I know that about you, right? No, but it doesn't matter. Your body will literally take anything and break it down into glucose. But it just takes longer. I just wanted, the you more know, complex some, the I think some people some people have have had the experience when they're like working like they're sitting at their desk and they're working on the computer and you know, they're checking email and then they're writing a report and then they're, you know, looking this up and, and so on that they hit a pl- time when all of a sudden they crave candy. Um, yeah, I don't do that. I yeah, do. I crave do food. Well, you're so you're creating craving food, and which and is just, I mean, it's essentially the same, same thing. thing. But yeah. for some people, they actually like literally just get a craving for something sweet, and the reason is you're using up glucose, especially with all that that task switching. Now, right. um, there's some so you interesting need a quick shot of it. There's some interesting research. Oh, and I should also know what? that it's not just sugar. Um, so for for example, starches get broken down yeah like a lot really of stuff quickly so a like, lot of stuff gets bro- yeah. yeah so like potatoes right and that's why i said carbohydrates yeah that's, that's yeah but si- simple carbohydrates yep. like starches and shit all so right so this is and then there's the whole insulin thing and so there's this it's sw- all connected it's all connected there's this woman gloria mark um uh that has um been studying the research on this and uh i just heard on a on a uh podcast a really good podcast called note to self do you ever listen to that no anyway they were talking about the fact that 10 years ago in the research they they were these people were studying office workers and um what they noticed was that task switching uh was happening approximately every three minutes on an average every three minutes for someone who worked in an office Mm. and that is now down to 45 seconds (laughs) <laughs> so we do a lot more task switching now. Now here's that another makes sense. We have so many more inputs. We got email, we got telephones, we got conversations right. with workers. Like, yeah, the 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 pace and of of the work day has really increased. Well, and it's not just at the pace of the. I mean, it's the. So there's another really interesting idea. Franticness of it. Yeah, there's another interesting idea that I think it was. It's Daniel Levitin that talks about um, this. So you know, so you know, when you task switch, if you if you think if you work in an office and you're getting interrupted, right? Like yeah. either someone walks in and has a question for you, or an email comes in, or a text comes in, or the phone rings, right? There's some kind of interruption. The cute guy down at the end of the hall is getting some coffee. Yeah. And so... You, distractions. Distractions. And, you know, that causes you to do the task switching. But what's really interesting is that the if you um, get used to a certain pattern of task switching uh, be, uh, because of external interruptions, and then there are no external interruptions, <laughs> do you know what you do? You, what? You self-interrupt. 
That's wonderful. So you, <laughs> what what we see is that, and and you've had, I know we've all had this experience. You know, so like it's actually a relatively quiet day, and you're working. Oh and my god! So you you sit down to work on that, you know, video editing, and and what you will tend to do, since nobody else is interrupting you, is you will stop the video editing, open up your browser, and go look something up for no reason at all. It doesn't have anything to do with the video sure. editing, or you'll go check your email, right? So we tend to self-interrupt. Is, is this, I, w- I would guess, and again, total guess, does this have to, would, would this explain ADHD, the mechanism for ADHD? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know a lot about ADHD. So oh, I'm, I don't either. I just, I don't know if it I just kind of made sense to me. Okay, fair enough. I will comment for the both of us. <laughs> but, right, because it, it's, it's like self-induced ta- task switching. Yeah, I don't know, uh, but but with eight, yeah, maybe I was gonna say Cause, with eight. Because essentially, what because like what Ritalin does or Adderall, I mean, basically it stops the desire for to self-induce task switching, and it makes very it makes you very singularly. Yeah, focused. I don't know. We're going beyond my my expertise in that. Ex- That's why I said I was guessing. I this is just a podcast. People, <laughs> if people want to pay us for medical diagnosis, we're happy to do a bunch of research. But no, I don't think anyone's going to off the cuff. We're not going to do medical research. Anyway, what happens when you do all this task switching and the self interruption is you get tired. Like you use up your resources, you get tired. So. Hacking your brain. You want to work better? The one, one of the most powerful things you can do is do less multitasking or task switching. And now mm-hmm. some people like think that that's impossible or they can't imagine doing that. And it's not impossible. There's some things that you can do to make it easier. Um, so you really will work better and you'll feel better and you have better ideas and you'll get more done and you won't be well, as stressed and exhausted let, if you let me give let off. me add let me give a caveat to that though what because yes if you're doing less task switching this is true but you will get more exhausted if you're in a constant state of system two thinking that that in my experience that burns that really burns um so for those of you who don't know, I just finished law school, and there are many cases in law school in which you need, you can't be distracted, you need to singularly focus on a task, okay? Um, but if you, but there is nothing more exhausting than sitting in a pure system two state, keeping everything in short-term memory as you're trying to analyze a situation, um, and, and just singularly focusing yeah, on that task. I, actually, that not, is that's exhausting. really tough. And I'm not going to disagree with that. And we know that um, the brain can handle about 20 minutes of that max. And then it's, yeah. you know, you've again, you've used up all the glucose. Yeah. Um, and, and But then you get, you know, hey, but duty calls and you just got to keep, keep going. That's why. Uh, so when I was in law school, your entire grade for your courses was one three hour final at the end of the semester. Yeah. And, you know, it's a grind. Like, it's three hours of straight system two frantic thinking. Yeah. And you, there's, there's like, you know, there's no breaks. There's no sugar. There's it. Is, and it's really, it's like, a, it's like a, it's like a marathon. Like, you're, you're like physically exhausted. And I find actually, and this will be r- very interesting that. So, uh, for example, if I take a big test like that, 
um, or like the LSAT or something. Um, after I get out of the test, yeah, uh, I can't. I don't really have any memories of the test itself. It's like it's like after a certain point, I stop making like long term memories mm-hmm. of what happened, and it's just it's just just I just completely it's just completely gone. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I'm not recommending that. And and that's a so so we have two things going on, right? One is very intense system two focus right. thinking. You but we're not we're not going to generally talk about that. It but when you're talking about if you want to take it easy, do something that's maybe not as crazy intense. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm not talking about but but don't keep interrupting yourself. Right. And so like uh, except, except, I do want to say, it, whether you're doing, you know, real intense thinking or not, it's always good for whatever you're doing to take a break at, if it's something meant, you know, brain-wise, involves your brain, take yeah. a break at least every 20 minutes. Like, just stop, get up, move around, go get something to drink, go get something to eat, um, you know, just take a break, because at that 20-minute mark, you know, you've, you've, you're, you're running out of resources. Um, well, I think that, so like one of the more, more relaxing things to do mm-hmm. is to do something that keeps you occupied. So you're not task switching, but also does not involve system two thinking. So yes. if you're like chopping wood yes. or cooking. Yes. And something that's like very that's absolutely singularly true. focused, yep. but is not necessarily like having to keep all this like facts about like you know jury trials yeah and, and there's a certain parts of the brain that work together that are called the executive network and and when you're doing a really intense system two thinking focused task you're using your executive network and it's very helpful to to kind of turn that off uh by doing something where you don't have to think like going for a walk or you know something physical um and what that does when you just kind of let your brain re- let the executive network part of your brain relax and not focus on anything what that does is it uh relaxes that executive network and it actually allows some of the other networks to do their thing and so that's why you know if you're trying to solve a problem for instance it's good to focus on the problem for a while to set the problem and then you you let it go um so that the executive network is not taking up all your resources and your other networks, what's called actually literally the imagination network and the salience network can go. Imagination highway. Imagination highway. All right. So we said do less task switching, do um, see if you can arrange things. So you have less interruptions from the outside. So I want to talk about, you know, technology i always got to talk about technology so we talked in in a previous episode we talked about um we talked about uh uh habits and we talked about you know kind of beginning addicted to um technology and we talked about what happens when alerts you know there are alerts on your email or alerts on your phone and and so th- those are all interruptions, right? And that's right. task switching. So one of the things that you should do if you want to do l- less task switching is turn off those alerts. So, you know, you probably have alerts on Facebook. and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've actually and... this is this is funny. So I've been I've been battling this for a little bit. Yeah. And 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 I would say note that she's not saying turn off your devices because I don't think you need to be completely like, you know, you don't have to have like quiet time at least. I mean, I you don't can, you but need, I don't. You can, yeah, I'm not like saying you have to. The whole idea of like, right. oh, you need like deconnection time. If yeah. that works for you, fine. I don't think. Oh, sorry, I hit the mic. Uh, I don't think that has anything to do with it. But yeah. if you turn off the interruptions. Yeah. Um, so I've been fighting this recently. I had on my phone the Facebook app. It's also Facebook Messenger, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I'm furious at it. I turned off like all of the the like notifications, and every morning. As soon as I moved my phone, Facebook is completely evil. They're completely an evil company. I would move my phone in the morning, right? Like I'd wake up, I'd have to like go to the bathroom or something. And, uh, you know, I just check to see, you know, check what time it was on my phone, right? Yeah. And then I'd go back to sleep. And like 20 minutes after you move your phone for the first time, you get uh, a bunch of Facebook notifications. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like, oh, like so-and-so posted on your wall. It's like you have the the three you three birthdays today, right? Like it'll be it'll be something that's not a real notification, right? And if anyone knows how to t tell me how to turn this off, <laughs> please do. I turned off like all the possible notification things I could think of, yeah, and, it's and still... it still did it, huh? And it was just it was the worst because then like my phone would buzz when I was trying to like, go back to sleep, and I'd check it, and then of course yeah. I'd be on my phone, and then I'd wake up. So what I did was I was like, fine, Facebook, if you want to play this way. I'm going to, so I uninstalled the Facebook app on my phone and I uninstalled Facebook Messenger on my phone. Okay. Yeah. But uh, we do do some Facebook ad words um, stuff. So I installed, so I installed the Facebook ads to, tr to track our ad campaigns. And then that was giving me Facebook notifications about birthdays. So I was like, okay, fine. And so I deleted <laughs> that app. I'll just, you know, if I want to look at Facebook on my phone, I'll just go log on to Facebook.com through right. Chrome on my phone right. and, I'll, and I'll do that, okay? So I did that, um, but then while I was using it, I had a message come in, right? Because I was, I was out and about, but I didn't have Facebook Messenger, but someone had sent me a message on Facebook I wanted to respond to. So I said, yes, let's do that, but then I needed to see the notifications to see if they had responded to me back. So I accepted um, that Facebook could send me notifications through Chrome. And originally, for a while, this worked really well. I was like, oh, okay, if I just keep Chrome, if I just keep Facebook open on my phone, I can get messages, and then when I don't want it, I can just, you know, go to a different website, right? And I won't get the notifications anymore. So uh, I did that, but even when I closed all the tabs in Chrome and closed Chrome and restarted my phone, I would still get notifications That's from crazy. Facebook about birthdays. Still, even what when the, the website wasn't even open because there's a certain script when you allow notifications through Chrome yeah. on Android, it uh, there's a certain script that gets put in your phone that instantly pings wow. notifications from the Facebook server. And the only way you can get rid of that is if you go into Chrome, you go into settings, and there's a special like the, the, the ability to give notifications through Chrome, I had to disable, which I wow. did right before this podcast. So like kind of nutty. It is so incredibly stupid that I have to go through all these hurdles yeah. just because I don't want to because that's what they that's what they do every couple um, hours. Yeah, I don't. So I don't know if you've if you've experienced this before. It was you get a notification when someone posts on your wall. Right. Yeah. Or someone sent you a message. OK, I'm fine with that. In fact, I'd like to know about those notifications, but they start every couple hours now. It's not like, oh, someone posted on your wall. It's it's like 
seven of your friends have posted something. You're, you have seven no, new things on your newsfeed, right? Like it's not like an actual thing that's like about you don't even me. know what it is. Right, right, right. So and the only I, way I, now you can I don't know that, is go and look at the app. That doesn't so. happen to me. So is this an Android thing? I don't know, I, but they're the worst. So yeah, that's not good. Because because what um, I what I tell people and I turn I like all the notifications. Yeah. I turned off all the notifications, yeah, okay? That. Oh, they're the worst. So anyway, so that's what you want to do is turn off notifications. Um, yeah. So that's one thing you can do. Then you'll be task switching less, less interruptions, and mm-hmm. then hopefully less self-interruptions. Now, here's another thing that I want to uh, um, I want to talk about, which is um, the millennials versus older people. Yeah, sure. So what do you think? Do you think millennials task switch better than older people? Of course this is a, a loaded leading question because Yeah, I right. Have yeah. So so of it, course but... of course the, the the instinct would be to say yes, but maybe that it's it it's no, we just do it differently, right? Maybe that's a it's a trick question. But I'll, I'll go I'll go with yes. Yes, we task switch, switch better. And the answer is no. So yeah, that's what I figured. I mean, uh, I'm not even sure of the. I'm gonna guess. I don't even know about the research on this. That 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 the younger you are, the more task switching you do. But I don't know that that's necessarily true. But there um, was some research by uh, Clifford Nass at Stanford that millennials think they task switch better. They think they're better at it, faster at it, that it doesn't bother them, that it doesn't wear them out. But actually, they react. everybody reacts the same. Okay. So, yeah, you, know. you know, watch out for that because you're a millennial, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm curious to see if we actually do task switch Yeah, you're better. not going to let that up, uh, let that go, are you? No, not really. No, Why? probably not. Why? Um, because uh, maybe it's not that we're better at it, yeah. but that we, I mean, I think we do it more. Yes, that's probably true, although I don't have particular research citation for that, but I would guess that's true. But just because you do it more doesn't mean you're better at it, Fair or it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you as much. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. Right? Yeah. So, and if you do it more, I would think then you guys are training yourself for those self-interruptions. Even more. That, yeah, yes, yes, and uh, yes. I think, I think that's very obvious that we have a, that we have problems in this, in this area. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it's, a, why do you say problems? Why aren't you saying, oh no, we're fine and we do it well and it's important and it's a really useful thing and it increases our productivity because we can do so many more things at the same time and so on. I think that's partially true. I mean, I think there's definitely something to be said for the whole, like, oh, we, like, um, uh, I don't know. We work all the time, right? We're always, like, have our, like, our work email going and we're like more productive because we're doing all this different stuff. Um, I think, 
and they can also, you know, right, like, we're in shittier jobs that would just require more, like, stupid stuff and, like, going back and forth. But we kind of like the hustle and bustle. Hmm. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough because I don't know what jobs were like back in the day. Um, they sound more relaxed. I mean, you, you have, like, the whole, like, madman, right, where you just, like, you're sitting on a couch thinking. Oh, my God. That is such a myth. You don't really believe that jobs were more interesting or better. No, but let me give you but let me give you a past. real example though. Yeah. Because let's say you're a you're a, you're a fancy businessman, right? Yeah. Um you would sit you would sit in your chair and you'd say things out loud. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Right? And if you wanted to send a message to someone, what did you do? So are you comparing the fancy businessman of yesteryear with the or yesteryear or whatever the phrase would be with with a fancy businessman of today? Not, well, not really. I'm just comparing people who would work in a fancy office because back then, right, there was a lot less white collar. There was a lot more blue collar. And now most college grads are working in white collar, right? They're working in an office building, you know, with different people. All I'm saying is back in the day, right? If you worked in an office building, okay, yeah, and you wanted to send a message to someone, yeah, right, you would call in one of the secretaries. You would say, "I have a message to send to so and so," and you would just pontificate upon this message, and yeah, you, you she know, okay, would you, write it down, yeah, you've got... and take notes in meetings and like all this other stuff that normally, like we, like today that is gone and so now all your mental energy you actually have to you no. opening emails yeah, and no, you're writing I'm things stop, just... i'm stopping you right right here because that's a... well, i said i didn't know it's just, just a fantasy that yeah that's that's that this is called you know television uh uh fiction hey, dictaphones were totally a thing they were but you but if we're talking about you know the but you're talking about a very small number of people that that did those jobs i mean you had the everybody else was first of all if you did if you did office work um and there were a lot of people doing office work i agree with you there there probably you know less people doing office work than now but if you did office work back then i mean you had you know piles of paper on your desk and that you had to do things with and you had to file them and let me tell you filing paper is one of the most boring mind-numbing jobs there i love is. filing paper well filing paper all day is not any fun so there was a lot of filing there was a lot but of i'm weird paper stuff um i like organizing things you, into their respective locations uh what else were you doing you were um you had to type on a typewriter and you would uh, uh, with carbon copies and you would make mistakes and you had to use whiteout and you had to start all over. No, there was lot, lots and lots of mind-numbing work. And then if there were less office workers, then you were in a factory. I was just talking to someone yesterday who was telling me about, you know, a factory job they had out of high oh, school. I never said it wasn't and, mind-numbing. Yeah. So it I'm saying fun it's, and it, it's, less, it's less task-switching intensive. Um that's possibly true i will give you that and we and i told you about the research already with the yeah 10 years ago so that's that's true 
that's probably true but right so well so so just like the jobs of today demand more constant all over the place they demand more task switching i would agree with that i think mo the average job today requires more task switching which means it's going to make you tired by the end of the day more than than many years ago all right now let's um let's switch topics a little bit still talking about brain hacking uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite topics which is making lists okay so uh, you work with me and you mm -hmm. know that I like to make lists mm -hmm. so there's actually uh, uh, it's useful to make lists so from a brain hack point of view what do you think why is making a list a good idea? I know. Call on me. Guthrie, do you know? Yes, I do know. Okay, what? Well, it's a total guess. And to those listening, I have, I've never heard of this before, but this is my guess. Okay. Keeping things in short-term memory is heavily brain exp expensive. And by writing, making lists and writing things down, you literally are, you have to do less work to remember certain things and keep on top of various tasks. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, okay. that's, that's true. Boom, and, dropping and mics. And it's not just even short-term memory. So, you know, what happens is if you don't write, basically you can handle four because, things. Because of the way, short -term, the best way to keep things in short-term memory is to repeat them to yourself, right. which is a constant drain. Yeah, you're using up mental resources when, you, you know, basically at any given moment, you have a finite amount of mental resources, brain resources. And if you are spending some of those by trying to not forget the things that are important that you're supposed to do today or this week or this month or in your life, then, you know, you, if you don't have to keep giving some mental resources, brain resources to that, then you free it up to do other things. So when, and you're, you're, you're smart enough to know, your brain is smart enough to know that if you've written something down or put it into, you know, a, an online tool that for task lists, then uh, it's, it's taken care of. And then your brain goes, okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore because she wrote it down uh, doesn't necessarily mean that will that you'll remember to do it but <laughs> at least your brain knows you wrote it down and therefore um, it frees up that resource we have so we use asana yeah um, it's interesting microsoft actually just this week released a competitor it's like microsoft oh, project really? or something yeah where you can like delegate we can make like task lists and like delegate them to people and then managers can like see who's has what lists well, and like who's microsoft's mine. had that for ages what do you mean they've had task lists in outlook no. okay the whatever the crap <laughs> nonsense it that that's literally <laughs> just like a notepad list yeah well, and there's also, they've also had the other stuff. No, software. no, no. Anyway, no, no, they have no, something no. new, you're saying. No, yes, yes. This is a very pretty collaborative list where you can create various, you create projects, and then within those projects, there's all these different tasks, and you can assign them to various team members. But they had this. It was called project. Microsoft Project. Maybe they've just resurrected it. 
they've resurrected it for Office 360, apparently. Ah, okay, I get it. Yes, so okay. 365, sorry. Uh, yeah, so they did that. So this is a hot field. Um, Slack is trying to get into this, too. Uh, we actually tried to use Slack, but they didn't have a good task list feature, so we stopped. Um, and also, we just do everything by email again, or, and, and Skype, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, we use Asana. I, um, I have a, I know someone who's uh, office, they always have like a thousand things going on. Yeah. And they just, they don't use any kind of, they like, don't do anything? Task system. And it's just constant chaos all the time. Oh my God. That, that would drive me crazy. It would, it would also drive me crazy. I think it drives them crazy. But, so again, Back to this idea of trying to trying to hack your brain. So r make lists, write things down, get them out of your brain. That will help. Uh, we said less task switching, taking breaks um, every twenty minutes if you're doing some intense work. And then um, I have one more brain hack I'm going to talk about today, and that's writing things by hand yeah i've definitely heard this and i hate writing, <laughs> you things, hate by writing hand. things by hand and like i, I have definitely to say, know you that have it helps but i don't do it in the world thank you you, you should have been a doctor that. thank you i appreciate that i have really bad handwriting as well um yeah what so why do you all right so 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 again i'll call on you do you remember why writing things and I and I don't necessarily mean writing lists by hand. I just mean writing things by hand. So why is writing by hand different? How is it different than for instance like typing up something on a keyboard into a computer? Do you know the what the motion, brain difference is? The motion of the ocean is different. When you type, each keystroke is the same and when you write it's tactile and each letter is a different muscle movement. Okay. You're on to it. And that, but okay. then, so, so, so what? What does that, what does that do? Um, I mean, why would that matter? I don't know, actually. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know either. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> but then, apparently, you your brain processes the information differently if it comes through that fluid because like, you're right when you're writing something there's a you know muscle movement and when you're typing something there's muscle movement but when but it's you're different it's different and so when you're writing something that that muscle movement from um from writing is more of a fluid hand gesture and it connects with the information uh, that you're writing about and it therefore gets processed by your brain differently than so, if you're typing it. I am curious to see if this is true in five or ten years when we have the first generation who grew up basically not writing anything by hand. Because even when I was in school growing up in my formative years, um, you know, we wrote papers by hand. That's how we did assignments. We wrote them by hand and we turned them in to the teacher. Yeah. Um, and the generation who just started school today. Um, They're still writing. 
They're still no. writing. They're writing there's, less. There's, there's a number of schools that have nothing but Chromebooks, and they do nothing but typing. Um, they very, very, very little writing. I mean, some writing, sure, but the vast majority of Yeah, their... much less note-taking. <laughs> note-taking, yeah, there's, yeah. There you go. Right? So, yeah, and so I want to see if in five, the, the kids who started school maybe five years from now, when there's even less handwriting, um, if their brains don't develop differently, and therefore they remember things just as well uh, by t- better typing than they do by well, writing Well, okay, by I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. So I'm going to predict that in, in some ways you're right and some ways I don't agree. So I do believe that their brain, I do believe that if you do not, if you're learning information and you're not doing, you're not writing it by hand, you're not note taking while you're hearing it, you're not transcribing your notes by hand, you know, none of that handwriting is going on. I do believe that brains will develop differently. You know, we, we've talked before on, on another episode about neuroplasticity and uh, the fact that our brains change and the fact that some of this stuff is hardwired in, but some of it is not. And so I think if hand writing by hand doesn't happen, then it will change the way people process information. Um, but I also think that because of that change, I think that there will be uh, and again this maybe is just a now i'm just being an old uh fuddy-duddy do you have you ever heard that phrase a fuddy-duddy so from you from me from not from anyone else i i I I think that um i think that people will not process information as deeply if they're not writing by hand so, I, yeah, I think it's going to make a difference. And I, I don't know that it's going to be a, a good thing. I, I, I will, that'll be interesting. I hope someone does some research on this and, uh, and we can check that out. But I, I think it's going to have an effect. So I think you should, uh, for those of you who did grow up doing any writing in longhand, um, I th- if something is important to you, if you want to prioritize your work or your life if you want to make sure that you know if you have you know what a bucket list you know that term yes if you have a bucket list and you want to make sure there's things that you get done that list those ideas should be written out by hand you are more likely to do them if you write them by hand Hmm. so there you go those are today's hack your brain suggestions are are you gonna are you gonna do anything differently no you're not going to do a single thing differently based on our episode today. No. You are a really bad example. Well, I already do all these things. You are, all the, except I, for I the writing by hand. Yeah, that one I'm just... You're not going to do a, that. I mean, it's just a curmudgeon. I can be a curmudgeon about certain things. Okay, you be a curmudgeon, I'll be a fuddy-duddy. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Right. I mean, in fairness, I, I, did, I, I, I did know about a number of these things, and I already... In practice, I already do many of them. Okay. So this is, yes. So. Um, aren't you going to ask me which ones I'm going to change? Even though you also already knew all of this? Yeah, but knowing it is not necessarily the same as doing it. I, ha- I, I haven't been paying attention to what I write by hand. Uh, basically, I write by hand when I'm uh, not by the computer. Um, Let me put it to you this way. What? 
I've written maybe six or seven words by hand in the last week. Wow, that's pretty bad. And by words, I mean like the the correct ports for an IMAP email account. <laughs> All right. So basically, you haven't written anything of any importance to your life or to long-term anything by hand. I have not written a letter by hand. I don't know. Well, I, mean, I don't write letters by hand. A couple of years. But I make notes by hand. I sometimes do that. But it's well, based on our conversation today, I'm, I, I think I'm, well, I'm going to try and improve my task switching. I still I'm, a, I'm an anti-Luddite. Or I'm a Luddite, but like, but like for like tech things where like I, I won't switch to things that aren't typing. Yeah, that's like I'm a, I'm a Luddite, but but not really. Well, you're a tech like Luddite. I think that's what I said. Okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make I'm going to make a list here. Here's what I'm going to do before our next podcast. I'm going to make a list of important things I want to do before the end of this year, and I'm going to write that about by hand. And I'm going to try and take more breaks every 20 minutes. And, and I think I'm going to take a look at my task switching because I, I think I've definitely gotten into self-interruption mode. Mm. And I want to see if I can do something about that. I've noticed that about myself. Mm. So All that, right. That's my pledge. Hey, before we go, can we, because we didn't remind people at the beginning, so can we, we remind them now to please um, like our podcast if they like it and to to share it and and leave a review because that helps yeah. our podcast grow, right? Yeah. Hey, we have a new course on our courses page. We do. We've got a bunch of new stuff going on um, at our courses page. We have a new bundle, and then oh, we have our uh, new design thinking course. Is that the one you're talking about? Yep. Yeah. So people should check that out, right? Yep. If you're interested in design thinking. Okay, well, we'll do uh, we'll do uh, part two very soon. Yeah, I'll do another brain hack. Mm-hmm. And uh, Susan, thanks for hanging out. Thank you. It's been and fun. I'll talk to you very soon. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.